Welcome to Breakpoint Podcast, breaking down the world of tennis with your hosts, Val Fabo and Joel Frucci. Indian Wells has kicked off and the desert has produced some barnstorming matches so far and we're going to take you through all of that here on Breakpoint Podcast. Val Febo here with you and joining me Follow Breakpoint on social media, is the one, on Twitter the and Instagram the legend, Joel Breakpoint Frucci. Podcast. Joel, how you doing? Search us on Facebook <laughs> yeah, and subscribe well, thanks, to the show so on your favourite podcast holiday. platform. I you know. know. Melbourne town, the sun's shining. And uh, yeah, I'm, in, I'm almost still in, uh, in recovery mode a little bit. I had a very big day on Saturday. And yeah, also, I, I saw uh, that. Friday night was reasonably sizable too, but uh, that's all right. I saw We're that. talking tennis. That's the best therapy. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Hopefully the throat doesn't give way on you halfway through. But um, no, yeah. I, I, I saw you've had a pretty busy weekend. So yeah, sitting here on a Monday afternoon uh, probably isn't the, the thing that you had in mind, but I appreciate your per- perseverance. So very well done to you. Indian Wells has been really good so far. We've had a good, um, some good success stories from from an Australian front. Um, and in terms of Jordan Thompson, he's playing currently as we record the podcast against Alejandro Tabio from uh, from Chile. But um, he's up a break in the in the second set, having lost the first. So really good week for him, especially considering he defeated Stefano Tsitsipas, who's fresh off a Grand Slam final and pushing for world number one. Carlos has returned over the past couple of weeks. Bit of an injury scare in Rio, but he seemed okay against the Nasi Kokonakis yesterday. Um, Alexander Zverev starting to hit his straps. Daniel Medvedev on a 16-match winning streak. And Andy Murray, Joel, finally mm. won a match in straight sets. <laughs> finally. <laughs> He's averaging three-hour matches this year, but he finally managed to overcome someone in straight sets against Radu Albot in the second round of Indian Wales, his first straight sets victory since his win over Alejandro Davidovich Fakina last year in October. So it's been a very long time between drinks for the former world number one. But what have you made so far of Indian Wales on the men's side? We'll start with that side of the draw and then we'll get into the women's side after the break. But yeah, what have you made? I think there's been some good matches, some upsetting storylines, I think with Dominic team being, being one of those and, um, a resurgence of, or of some sort for Stan Vavrinka. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's been an interesting, interesting tournament so far um, out in the, out in the desert. I think um, in terms of matches, the one that I really kind of liked um, from the offset was Taylor Fritz and, and Ben Shelton kind of a bit of the, the very new and a bit of the kind of still a little bit new, but not so new um, in American tennis. That was, that was kind of cool. Um, with a with a with an Australian lens on, um, it was great to see a couple of qualifiers get through. So the likes of Rinki Hijikata, um, and uh, also Alexander Vukic uh, made it through as well. So it was good to see them um, in in the main field. Jordan Thompson with a win over Stefan Osipas. Yeah. That was that was a fantastic win for for Tomo. And um, of course, as as you said, we as we record, he finds himself in a bit of a battle against Tabio. From Chile, very the nice. The that was all right. I just kind of like the uh, like the Latino type names. They're always fun to say. They are good. Tanasi uh, Kokonakis as well. He found himself in in the main draw, and uh, well, unfortunately for Tanasi, found himself against the the wrath of uh, Kalitos Alcaraz. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, good to see Carlos back in uh, back in a one thousand event. Um, sort of after the after the injury. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting draw so far. Um, Daniel Medvedev's still on on a bit of a run himself. Uh, Bit of an issue this this morning against Ilya Ivashka. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see what kind of damage uh, he can do. But um, what about yourself, Al? What have you made of things so far? Yeah, I think um, I think with Carlitos, I think it's it's really good to see him back at a Masters level event. You know, he won in Buenos Aires, beat Nori in the final, and the rematch of that 
um, of that battle was was just as good in the um, in the final of Rio because Carlos was clearly injured in that match. Was up a set and a break, and Norrie looked completely and utterly done. Just kept fighting, kept grinding. Carlos mm. threw the kitchen sink at him despite being on one leg and managed to get it to five all in the third, but then Norrie just clicked up a little bit of a gear and, and got the job done and, and pretty much vindicated everything I said about him going to the South American swing and playing on the clay because a final and a title at 500 level, I think is a pretty good return for someone that doesn't necessarily like the clay as much as the other the other surfaces. He's a Wimbledon semi-finalist, of course, and has won Indian Wells um, in his own right back in when it was held in September 2021. So... Yeah, really impressed by Cam Norrie. But Carlos, really good to see him back. No signs of any shaky movement against the Nasi. He yeah, destroyed. Good, he? he destroyed Kokonakis. It's plain and simple. That's how easy it was. Daniel Medvedev, I think, is the one at the moment that's impressing me. He's on a 16-match winning streak, as I alluded to off the top, and he's that's included wins over Brandon Nakashima, uh, Ilya Ivashka here. He looked a bit shaky this morning against the Belarusian, but he was good. He got the job done six-one in the third. Plays Alexander's. He wasn't in a good mood. He wasn't in no, a good mood, Daniel. No, and wasn't I think. The conditions that you get at Indian Wells, and it's not warm there. It can get, I think, these conditions when you're playing around this time of the night, about 18 degrees, but really windy. So it it, it can be really swirly, challenging conditions for the players. And that's why I think he could get a little bit angry. And he's never had the biggest amount of success in the desert, which I think is quite interesting considering the courts should suit him a little bit more. They're not as fast as what you get at Flushing Meadows, but um, yeah, I think he's primed at the moment because of what he's been able to put together in Rotterdam, in Doha, and in Dubai as well. I think winning three titles on the bounce is huge, including yeah. the first win over Novak Djokovic of 2023, which was mightily impressive to get him in straight sets, considering the form and how ominous Novak looked. So Medvedev, for me, is the one that's that's really looking good, but but um, and we'll get to Nori and Rublev and all these other guys soon. But um, and just a quick shout out to Jason Kubler as well for getting through to the third yeah. round, um, defeating uh, Lorenzo Sonigo in straight sets. That's not an easy feat to get past him. And then also Grigor Dimitrov. Dimitrov retired three love in the third, um, three love down, I should say. But Jordan Thompson now he boasts a win over Andy Murray as number one on grass at Queens in 2017. I would argue his win, despite Tsitsipas having a little bit of an ailment. I would argue that this is more impressive considering Murray was on the downward trajectory and was about to take a significant leave of absence from the sport. But for Tomo to come out and beat Tsitsipas, who a month and a half ago was vying for the world number one ranking in the Australian Open final to get him in three sets, considering the form that Tomo has been in, and it hasn't, and look, he'll admit that he hasn't been in the finest of form. I think this can just set things up really nicely, especially if he can get through to a fourth round here and back that win up. I, I think it could be so, so vital for his season going forward because he needs to make um he needs to try and make that push to try and at least get that elusive title and give him some some confidence heading into a period of the year that's clay that might not suit him yeah. as well. Yeah, and and look, I'd agree with with all that though, especially sort of talking about this particular win being more impressive than the one against um, against Murray. I mean, Stefanos Tsitsipas is at his peak right now, and he's got a lot to play for. Um, sort of that that kind of that kind of vibe that he's playing with at the moment since um, from the hasn't really changed since the Australian Open. Um, and I actually think, I mean, I'm happy to be challenged on this one, but I actually think that. 
when when you're playing an opponent who has an ailment of any sort, um, I I would argue that it's it's actually more impressive because that can really get in your head sometimes. I mean, unless it's a you know a serious thing where they you know can't walk or anything like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, in which case, there's a good chance that they would retire regardless. But I I would almost argue that it's more impressive because yeah, it can get in your head. And um. Well, how many? Know, it's the same as. It's the same as you know. If there's um, even if there's some some call, some sort of equipment issue, um, you know, broken strings, whatever. Obviously, that very rarely happens at the professional level, but it gets in your head because you think to yourself, okay, this this guy or, or girl is um is is hurt. They're not one hundred percent fit. You know, I should be winning this, right? That's what you think, and then all of a sudden, the pressure's on you to to make it count. And then, you know, we've we've seen um, a lot of times it, it doesn't always work like that. So, um, I I thought it was a mighty impressive win um, from from Tomo. Yep, one hundred percent. And and look, we've how many times have we seen Novak do it when there's no sign of injury yeah. really, and then he just starts limping around the court and he gets in his opponent's heads. Um, you know, it, it's it, it is difficult to beat them at that stage and. I think looking at his form as well, Tomo, he lost in the first round of Adelaide, didn't get uh, didn't get through the second Adelaide tournament's qualifying, lost in the second round there, lost in the opening round of the Australian Open, only boasts one win on the ATP Tour this year with a win over Dennis Kudler in uh, Dallas, then lost to Manorino in the second round, then he lost to Kudler again in the first round of Delray Beach, won a challenger title in Rome in Georgia, He'd only boasted one ATP win in the two months of the year before this, including the Australian summer, where he should be making hay while the sun shines. Yeah. So to win two on the bounce here, I think is really impressive. And as we talk, Tabio has broken back and is serving to get it to five all yeah. in the second. It's so a real no, battle now. Yeah, real not battle. great signs for the Aussie. But I think this is a this is a point in time where he can really just utilize, you know, what could be a ranking spike, hopefully for him, and yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's one that we can um, that we could possibly asterisk um, for the rest of the year going forward. But looking forward at the other matches in this draw, so Andre Rublev and Cam Norrie have both moved through this morning. Norrie was down six seven one four against Taro Daniel, who's in some great form and yeah. got the job done. Six seven seven five six two. So really impressive win for Cam Norrie. He'll take on Rublev um, in the fourth round. That match has the capabilities of going very long, both in pretty good form. So excited for that one. Christian Garin upsetting Casper Ruud, who's not had the start of the season that he would have liked, considering he was a very chance, poor start. chance to get to number one in um, in the Australian Open. It was this was two sets away from the number one ranking at the end of the US Open last year. Um, I think there were there were talks that going and traveling around South America with Rafael Nadal for the Nadal Academy and the Nadal Foundation um, at the end of the year probably hampered his preseason and has affected the first quarter of the year. And I kind of agree because his win-loss ratio hasn't been that good, Joel. And it, it's a little bit concerning if you're a Casper Rude fan or if you are Rude. Um, hopefully he can get himself back on track by the time the clay season starts. Uh, yeah, well, you'd hope so, and um, I mean that's that's his time to shine, certainly on 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 the clay. We know that's his best surface. I wonder if it's a bit of a learning experience for him because this has probably been sort of the first season that he's really kind of started the season uh, right up at the sort of the pinnacle of, of of the tour, at least by by the numbers. So, you know, maybe it's a bit of a learning experience for him because we've seen in seasons past that he's juggled a lot of commitments and a lot of events, and he's played a lot of tennis. So. You know, I, I just wonder if um, sort of part of this year is kind of a bit of a learning experience for him, and he and he kind of has to 
um, kind of almost reprioritize and, and just figure out a bit of a new sort of balance for himself, um, kind of getting in, um, you know, enough recovery time, but also, you know, playing enough events or the right events for for him that kind of suit his position because, yeah, the reality now is he's one of one of the best players in in the world, and um, he obviously hasn't hasn't really been a great start to the season for him. He's um, as you said, he's he's dropped matches against players that let's let's face it, no disrespect to the likes of you know Taro Daniel and Jensen Brooksby, but um, he probably should be winning against those guys. Um, certainly in the position that he's in um, at the moment. So yeah, and I mean he's still young as well. So yeah, I, I just I just wonder if if this season's going to have a a bit of that kind of feel for Casper. Yeah, I think so. And he's five and five for the season so far. So for someone that started the year as well, number three, I think that that's that'd be disappointing for him. But I think if your idol asks you to come on a tour with him around South America, you're not going to say no. Yeah. So. After a few, and a good look, a good cause as well. Yeah, exactly right. So Casper, yeah. I think we'll see him sort of click into gear when the clay season starts. It's his best surface. Made the final of the French Open, but he also made the final of Miami last year where he lost to Carlitos. So he's got points to defend in just a fortnight. So he needs to use this rest period well and really needs mm. to shape up ahead of Miami because there could be some serious points where Taylor Fritz could be chasing pretty hard to try and get himself into that top four for the first time. So Casper, I think there's some concerns for him, but I think he'll be able to rebound from those. If you look at the top half of the draw, Andy Murray, really impressed by him and what he's been able to overcome throughout this entire season. Final final in Doha a few weeks ago. The guy just does not win in straight sets until, well, yesterday, because he got over Radu Albot 6-4-6-3, also in nearly two hours. So it was still a pretty long match, but he's... He's just finding a way, isn't he, Andy Murray? And I would like to see him come up against Carlitos to just see how the old body will fare up against a guy that is just a human wrecking machine, really. Pretty much. The guy's half machine at this point. Um, <laughs> but um, even, even, before, um, even before that potential test against, against Carlos, I, I'm really fascinated by this, this match that he's yeah. got against Jack Draper. Yeah. Um, so we talk about... Old versus new, this is very much that for, for British tennis. Jack Draper is going to be a fantastic player for Great Britain for for a long time. But um, I think it's a great test for him to see whether he can get past a guy who you would have to say as well, all, all things being equal, would probably be one of his tennis heroes, really. Um, oh, yeah, growing of course. Up. So, yeah, a great, a great test for Jack Draper. And look, I've, I've got no doubt that Andy Murray would, would give himself every chance of, of winning that match. So... Yeah, it's that's going to be, I think, one of one of uh, the matches to watch for the rest of the tournament. Can't wait. Yeah, I think so. And uh, looking at the other parts of the draw, really disappointing, I think, for Alex Dimonor, considering what he did in Acapulco to win the biggest title of his career and sort of put yeah. a body blow into American tennis, thinking that they're better than Australian tennis. But now you look at the draw and you've got guys like Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul, um, who else have we got still in this tournament for America? Francis Tiafo still going... Um, you know, they've got three and we could possibly have zero left at the end of this one. So, and Ben Shelton had a pretty good event as well. Um, took a mighty effort from Fritz to defeat him. So yeah, I think, um, I think that had really eat Demon alive that he lost that. But I think if Fuchovic, when he plays his best tennis, he's very well and truly good enough um, to, to beat the top 10 guys in the world when his power is on. So Yannick Sinner looking good as well. Stan Vavrinka against Holger Runa. The last time they played, there was a little bit of controversy at the net where mm. Vavrinka called him a baby. So I'm interested to see what happens there. So this tournament, 
sitting on a bit of a precipice. I'll ask you for your predictions after we talk about the women's draw, Joel. But after before we get to that, does Novak play Miami? Oh, well, you'd have to say no, probably. Yep. Um, I, I, I don't see yeah. any possible reason why he can or why he should. Um, you know, the yeah. American government has... Yeah, I know they've res- they've relaxed a lot of the um, restrictions that are out at the moment. But if you're not vaccinated at the moment, you can't travel. And I think that changes in May. So the US Open, I think, seems on the cards for Novak Djokovic. But yeah, I, I don't see why he should. If you know the rules are there, I don't see why he should play Miami. Of course, yeah, it, it and, does seem yeah. a little bit harsh. But oh well. Oh well, rules are rules. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if he's if he's not if he's not there in in California, I mean, you'd have to probably think that, yeah, he's not going to mm. be in Miami either. A hundred percent. And and look, Joel, if only the Australian government had the cojones um, or similar cojones to the American government, Novak wouldn't have been the Australian Open champion this year. Because if, uh, well, if uh, my maths are correct, he should still be serving another two years where he can't enter the country. So they relax that yeah. rule when you get deported. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's look, I, I personally, I don't think he should have been here this year, but that's, that's been done. Um, and yeah, I think, um, you know, the American government's got to stick to their guns and I don't see why he should be playing Miami if he hasn't been led into Indian Wells, but we'll see what happens. It'd be, um, it'd be very interesting to see if that changes over the next couple of weeks, but we'll get your predictions from Indian Wells for the men's draw and women's draw together after the break, because we are going to talk about what's happening on the women's side of things in the Coachella Valley, all on Breakpoint Podcast. Follow Breakpoint on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast. Search us on Facebook and subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast platform. You are listening to Breakpoint Podcast, Val Febo and Joel Frucci here taking you through all that is happening at Indian Wells. Remember, if you want to ask us a question or anything like that, remember to hit us up on social media, Breakpoint Pod on Twitter, at Breakpoint Podcast on Instagram and also on Facebook. We'll be happy to take any sort of questions that you might have about the world of tennis or myself or Joel on Twitter as well, at VFebo96 and at Joel Frucci. So, this women's draw, very interesting, Joel, because we've got the informed players like Igish Fiontech still in the in the tournament. Leila Fernandez doing really well. Onjabur troubled in her opening round match against Magdalena Freck. Um, Caroline Garcia doing okay. Um, Daria Kasatkina still hanging around. Sakari doing all right. Pliskova, Kvitova, Pagula, all of them still in the draw. Um, what have you made of the women's draw so far? Well, yeah, overall it's it seems to be sort of uh kind of fairly run of the mill, I guess. Like a lot of the, the sort of the big names uh have, have kind of won through. Um, you know, a couple that stand out that maybe have fallen. Um, Madison Keys retired, um Victoria Azarenka is no longer there. Yep. Um yeah, just having a look through the draw, they're really the kind of main ones. Like all the all the big names seem to be there. So I I guess in, in one sense it's um it's almost a, a bit of a an un WTA like <laughs> event. Um, yeah. that it's it's kind of um it's kind of gone as it should so far. Um Belinda Bencic, she's another one that's 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 gone probably earlier than, than she would have liked. But yep. Um, yeah, overall, Donna Vekic. Um, but other than that, yeah, um, the most of the big names that we kind of want to see pushing are still, are still in the draw. There, yeah. So, yeah. 
And I think if you look at the names of the or some of the unseeded players that have that are still in the draw, I think on the top half we're only up to the third round, um, or haven't played them yet. Emma Raducanu, unseeded, she's still there. She's a Grand Slam champion. Serrano Costea, yeah. very good player. Same with Bernarda Pera, can on her day defeat anybody. And then Marketa von Drusova, she's a 2019 Roland Garros finalist, lost to Ash Barty, of course. Karolina Mukova, she's the 20, I think it was 2021 that she made the Australian Open semifinal. So she's been there and done that as well. Um, so really, really interesting side of the draw. Barbara Krajikova, she's the only one at the moment that's left to go through into the fourth round from the bottom half of the draw. She's taking on China's Wang Xinyu, and she's up for love in the third set. So really it's sitting on a precipice, I think, for a few different players as Jordan Thompson has squandered three set points from 6-3 up in the second set tiebreak, and it's 6-all now against yeah. Alejandro Tabio. So it's turning into a real Jordan Thompson type match at the moment, isn't it, Joel? Yeah, isn't it, just? Um Certainly it just? is, really. So hopefully he can try and get himself into that third set. But, um, yeah, very, very interesting and precarious where that match is headed. But, yeah, looking at the... Looking at where things stand, Igish Fiontek, the way that she has just dominated the field in recent tournaments, barring that one match against Barbara Krajikova, where, to be honest, I have no idea how Krajikova beat her or even got close the way that Fiontek was playing. She was winning love and one and three, maybe people could get to three games in a set, but she was steamrolling through everybody and her first match against Claire Lou was six love, six one. That's how ominous she looks at the moment. She's almost Roger, Rafa, Novak from early rounds of Grand Slams at their peak. So really impressive. And she's got Bianca Andreescu in the third round, the 32nd seed and former US Open champion. This match, I think, will could test her very much, the defending champ. I think so too. Yeah, Andreescu, if she's hitting... If she's hitting and clubbing the ball the way that we know she can in her Grand Slam, Grand Slam winning form... I see no reason as to why she can't win this or win this match or at least push it to three. Yeah, completely agree. And and um, Bianca Andreescu is one of those players that uh, I'm just I'm really hoping she can kind of get a bit of a run on somewhere because really since she's come back from injury, she hasn't really kind of rediscovered the heights that she hit when she won um, the US Open, which you know, granted, very young um, and. Um, you know, hard to replicate those heights as well. Yeah. But yeah, just just hasn't had a clean run, I guess is what I'm saying. So it'd be great if she could do it here. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, the way that Egg is playing, um, going to be going to be very, very, very tough for her. Um, and then even um, if she was to get through, um, Ega, she'd be. I think she'd look at the um, look at her next opponent or potential opponents and and think, you know what, this is they, these are also good tests. Emiratikanu, another, yeah. you know, obviously very similar to Bianca Andreescu, but also Beatrice had admire. Um, not a not a, an easy opponent to come up against. Sort of tall, um, you know, kind of got that double specialist type background, and she's had a, as we know, she had a massive twenty twenty two, so really flown up the rankings. So that's that's another good test for Iga. But look, overall. Um, yeah, it's it's again just just another event that where it's hard to really bet against anyone else. It really is, and I think the match that we really want to see is that Raducanu versus Fiontech matchup. I think that's that's one that we're just going to see for the next ten years. You you'd think anyway with Raducanu's performances at her best yeah. being Grand Slam dominant type performances, and and what she did at that U.S. Open in 2021 was simply outstanding. So. 
Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the past two US Open champions go head-to-head if that does happen. But then you look at the bottom part of the draw and Arena Sabalenka has had an interesting year and I, I, she hasn't really done an, a lot since um, since the Australian Open. She's played one tournament that was in Dubai where Barbara Krejcikova managed to overcome losing the first set 6-love against her and, uh, and winning the final set 6-1 before going on to win that tournament. So... Only played the the three matches in between the Australian Open and Indian Wells, um, and got over Rodina six two six love, and then uh, a walkover from Serenko sees her go through to the fourth round. But um, could play Krajikova again. Uh, Krajikova getting very close to winning that match. She's um she's up four one against Shin Yu Wang now. Thompson is out. Joel lost seven six in the second yes. set. So Alejandro Tabio gets through to the fourth round of Indian Wells. Really disappointing result for Jordan Jordan Thompson. I don't think you can sugarcoat anything around that. That's that's a match that. You know, if he wants to keep pushing, then they're the ones that he's got to be winning, unfortunately. So that was a big match, and unfortunately, he can't get over the hurdle. But, yeah, I think Sabalenka Krajikova, the winner of that, would go a long way to determining who takes this title because both of them are in really solid form. Um, And I, I just I have a feeling that Sabalenka... He's just primed and ready to try and push for this world number one spot. And I think if she can play Yeshviontek and gets okay and favorable conditions, I think this is all dependent on the conditions you get at Indian Wells. Her serve might not stack up in the um in the windy nature and the rigor of, of Indian Wells. But I think I think she could be a smoky to to take down uh, to take down Shviontek here. And Jessica Pagul is another one. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. When we when we sort of talk about the biggest threat to Eager, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that um, probably her biggest weakness or chink in the armor would be the power. And yeah, there's a few players on that bottom side of the draw, like Barbora Krejcikova, Arena Sabalenka, Jesse Pagula, that have that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think. I mean, just just perennially, I think. Um. That's that's going to be her, her biggest challenge. And um, arena with the start of the year that we know she's had. Um. No better time for her to to really, um, keep pushing and and try to dethrone Eager. But, um. There's a lot of water yeah, to I go mean, under that bridge before she gets there, though. That's that's oh, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a flood that needs to go under that bridge. Really. Um. She's a fair way behind. I mean, everyone's a fair way behind Eager, but, um. Yeah, all Arena can really do is just sort of just keep winning and keep improving. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, Val, it's as things stand, it's hard to it's hard to go against anyone other than Ego. It really is. Yeah, like, well, I'm just I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for reasons why someone else can win, but there's not really many of them. Well, no, and look, you are 100 percent on the money. And in Qatar, this is what Igish Fiontek did to her opponents. She won that tournament in four matches. Six love, six one, a walkover. Six love, six one, six three, six love. She equaled the record for the least amount of games dropped to win a title. Mm. Then in Dubai, it was six one and one over one and one over Fernandez, one and zero over Samsonova, a walkover against Pliskova, four and two over Coco Golf, and then somehow Krejcikova beat her six four six two. But she's continued that mold, as I said, love and one over Claire Lou. Bianca Andreescu, she's got so much work to do to, to even get a game here. But I think she can, as I said. But Iga, it's going to take some stopping because the way that she yeah. is playing mentally, 
physically, it's almost unfair. Like she has an advantage over the rest of the field. It, that's how it looks at the moment. And mm, we, yep. and, and it's been weird that the WTA over the past couple of seasons has probably shown more a player with more dominance rather than the ATP. And yes, and, and I think that's probably solely down to Novak's vaccination stance. But 2021 was all about Ash Barty and all about what she was doing. She was so far ahead yeah. of the field. 2022, she started it and it was all her. She didn't lose a match. Then Eager took the mantle and took it by the scruff of the neck, really, because she took what Barty did and said, I'll see you and I'll raise you and went on a 36-match yeah. winning streak. So, In that sense, it kind of feels like nothing's changed almost. And you're exactly right. And then you've got the men's where, you know, Rafa and Novak sort of tussled for a little while. And then last year, because Novak didn't play as much, it was easy for someone to sort of come in and take that number one spot back, which Carlos Alcaraz did. And and we might be seeing a dawn of his dominance. I'm not sure. But Daniel Medvedev mm. took it. Um, you know, Rafa got very close as well. So I, I think the way that what we're seeing is sort of Serena-like in a way because Serena was that one who would dominate the WTA every time she played. And now Igish Fiontek, who doesn't have yeah. the frame of Serena, is doing similar things and Serena-esque things, which I find so mightily impressive. And I love watching her play, but I love her mentality. And you could see that at the Australian Open, even after she lost um, to Rybakina. She was calm. She was like, look, it wasn't my best result today, but... I know that I can come out and I've just got to be better and stick to my guns. And she was just so positive about the whole situation, which I thought is was so mind boggling considering she's so young and, you know, at, at that age, you're still figuring out who you are, but she seems to have a pretty good idea of who she is. Yeah. And, you know, if ever there was a, a justification for all young players to consider the, the mental aspect of their game at a very, very, very early age, um, it's it's eager. We know all about that and the work that she's put in behind the scenes, the people that she's got on board um, to kind of look after that for her and, and help her get better um, in, in that respect. And um, I, I think, honestly, Val, I think like overall, I think her kind of profile as a player kind of really kind of sums up what I think what tennis is, is all about. And it's, I mean, you can have all the skill in the world, which she has, Um but you know, if if you're not strong upstairs between the years, then you're not going to get very far. Um, well, it's how you harness it. Put a it, lot of work it? into it. It's how you harness it. And this this was Andy yeah. Murray's problem for so long, wasn't it? Because he just couldn't get over that hurdle. 2010 Australian Open loses in straight sets. 2011 he loses in straight sets. 2012 Wimbledon yeah. he loses it in straight in in four to Roger. He was getting closer, and then. 2012 US Open, which I think um, Mark Petchy alluded to um, recently on our most recent show, that that was the one for Andy that sort of said, you know what, I can I can go on and I can do this. And then he won that in five over Novak, where Novak came from two sets down, got Lendl on board, and, and things started to click. So, you know, everyone's different in their way. But Carlos Alcaraz is another one that he's, he's actually brought on a sports psych, and he started seeing one because once he got to number one and the high of winning the US and getting there to that top rung, there's a come down because what now? And yeah. a, lo a lot of athletes do talk about this, about the, you know, you go to a, and, you know, working in bowls, um, we had the Commonwealth Games last year, and some of the athletes were saying that after coming back from the Com Games, it was really hard to get back to sort of daily life because you're just in this bubble for 
two weeks where this is everything that revolves, everything revolves around you, everything that you've worked for and for the Olympics and, and whatever, everything that you've worked for for four years just peaks right here. And then if you win or, you know, do really well, it's the high of the high and then you get back to your daily life and you're like, oh, God, what what do I do now? <laughs> so yeah, it's, like yeah, definitely not not easy for Carlos. And he's he's tried to work with that and and go on and it seems to have worked because the way that he's played since he's come back has been mesmerizing. So looking forward to seeing how that develops over, over the next six to eight months as he looks to defend what was one of the more remarkable years on the ATP. So Joel picks Indian Wells. We'll start. We've just spoken about the women. So, what are we thinking? Yep. Who wins and who's the runner-up? Well, I'm straight up uh, winner. Ego. Yep. Um, yeah, just it's hard to see anyone else winning it. To be honest, um, runner-up. Uh, yeah, there's yeah, runner-up's interesting. I reckon there's a, there's a lot of players that are capable of winning it. I'm um, oh, sorry, being or being runner-up. Uh, beg your pardon. Um, I will go with. I'm going to go with Barbara Krachikova. I'm going to be like so doing at the moment. boring and say the exact same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Soul and your thunder. Yeah. No, it's no. I, the only one I can see is probably Pagula, but it's got to be Krachikova. She's she's got the runs on the board. She's beaten Eager. That's all I can say, really. I think that that's, that's the one. that If you can beat Ega, you are good enough to go on and win this tournament. And Barbara Krachikova, um, I think she's got two match points as we speak right now against one she knew. So let's just make sure that she does get through before the end of the show and then we'll reaffirm <laughs> those picks. It's not over until it's over. No, in tennis, you can't tick down a scoreboard or you can't tick down a score um, a clock. Just got to win that last point and that's always the hardest part. But the men's draw, Joel, who gets through there? Yeah, I think it's probably a bit more, a little bit more uh, open. I'm, I'll say, look, it's hard to go against Carlos again, um, but I'm, I'm just not quite sure. I'm just not quite sure. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on board. So I'll say, and you know what, he's done it once before. So I'll just throw out a different one and say wow. Taylor Fritz. Yep. To win the whole lot. And runner-up, I will go with. It's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go all American. Tiafo, Francis Tiafo. Really? Yeah. That's a big, big call, Joel. I think. Um, yeah. I don't think either of them. I reckon. Um, I reckon it's going to be Carlos in the final, but. And he'll be going for world number one, as we said before. So he's closing in on Novak. Should he win the tournament? I th- lot to play for. Think, I think Daniel Medvedev might have him covered, though. I think it's going to be Medvedev to win a fourth straight title over Carlos in the final. And, yeah, uh, look, Tiafo, he's got, he's got the game style to probably get into the top 10, but he's one that I just can't see going on and winning a slam. Happy for him to prove me wrong. But Yeah, but you, but you know what? Well, maybe not a slam, but, but the- I... I, I see him being more than good enough to win an event like this at and, least and once. And this is where I think he can get something and he can win a Masters 1000 and be that player that, you know what, he actually went on and, and achieved something quite big in the sport. You win this tournament, you are a legend for life. Doesn't matter if you don't yeah. win a slam. Cam Norrie, 
um, and a lot of other players that have won this tournament, they'll be remembered for that. This is often considered the fifth major, and Miami's also just as tough to win. Um, but, you know, guys like, um, yeah, like uh, Norrie, like Ivan Lubacic, um, and like a few others in the past, have only won this event, but they've gone on and, and you know, it's a bit of a crowning glory in a way. So, yeah, really, yeah, um, so. I'm, yeah, intrigued to see what Francis Tiafo can do at these big Masters 1000s. But, Joel, that's all we do have time for on Breakpoint today. Really enjoyed looking at Indian Wales with you, and we'll do so all again very soon to wrap up what has been a really big fortnight in the Coachella Valley. Hopefully have someone on that uh, that was there and can give us a good insight about how things were on the ground, but thank you very much for your efforts today, mate. No, it's a pleasure, mate. We got through it. We got through it. I've soldiered on and we have made it to the end. Go and have a nap. Looking forward to the next one. Go and have a nap, nurse that headache, and um, <laughs> and hopefully hopefully all is okay. <laughs> um, this has been Val Febo and Joel Frucci on Breakpoint Podcast. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Breakpoint Pod, on Twitter. Instagram is Breakpoint Podcast, as is Facebook, and you, you can subscribe on, on uh, Anchor on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and also on, what's the main one? Apple Podcasts. There we go. Got there in the end. <laughs> um, that was the main one I was forgetting. But, yeah, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We are on there. So tune in, listen, ask us your questions, whatever you want to know. We can. Uh, we are more than happy to oblige. This has been Val and Joel on Breakpoint. We'll catch you next week.